ശ്രവണം മനനം നിധിധ്യാസനം ലിസൺ റിഫ്ലക്ട് ആൻഡ് അബ്സോർബ് ഡിയർ ലിസ്ണേഴ്സ് സായറാം ആൻഡ് വെൽക്കം ടു അവർ റേഡിയോ സീരീസ് ഇൻ വിച്ച് എ ഡിവൈൻ ഡിസ്കോസ് ബൈ ഭഗവാൻ ഈസ് പ്ലേഡ് ഇൻ സ്മോൾ പാർട്സ് ആൻഡ് ഫോളോയിങ് ഈച്ച് പാർട്ട് എ ഷോർട്ട് ഡിസ്കഷൻ ഇസ് അണ്ടർടേക്കൺ ടു റിഫ്ലക്ട് ഓൺ ദ മെസ്സേജ് This is a part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Sai Prakash and Prem every Thursday at 7:30 p.m. only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode which was first broadcast live on 24th October 2013, Professor G Venkatraman, former Vice Chancellor of Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning and senior most member of Team Radio Sai participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian Culture and Spirituality 1990. The clips played today are from the discourse delivered on 26th May 1990. Dear listeners, Sairam to all of you. This is Prem from Team Radio Sai welcoming you all to this week's episode of Shravanam Mananam Nididhyasanam. As always, I am being joined by Brother Sai Prakash from Team Radio Sai. Dear listeners, if you are a regular listener to this program, you will know that we study the 1990 summer course series, the discourses which Swami gave in that summer course which started after a gap of a few years. We have studied up to seven discourses in that series. We are going through the eighth one. But before we go into that discourse and what Swami has said as so far in that discourse, it is my pleasure to introduce you to this week's special guest. We have had many special guests in this show before, but we are very glad to have today in our midst our own Professor G. Venkatraman. Venkatraman sir needs no introduction to all of you, especially to listeners of Radio Sai. So without spending more time, I welcome Professor Venkatraman to our show and Sairam to Sai Prakash too. Sairam Prem. and uh, we welcome sir to the show in- indeed we feel very privileged to have sir with us at this point in this program because this is regarding buddhi and the intelligence right. swami is speaking about sir we await your comments on this series we have just started a series based on his discourses and this is what you always said we should do in our limited capacity we have been trying to listen to swami's discourse and summarize that segment on air so hopefully today's segment will bring a lot of wisdom and buddhi sairam and i am so happy to be here if you want some comments on buddhi you got the wrong guest we don't think so sir absolutely not but uh, the people with buddhi don't talk those who don't have buddhi do a lot of talking <laughs> if you want a lot of talking then you got the right person <laughs> okay this series of discourses as prem was just introducing we have been doing the 1990 summer course uh, series and swami has been taking us step by step you know swami started with how you are not the body and how you should not associate yourself with the senses then he goes on to how you are not the mind and then now swami has come to the state where he is saying you are not the buddhi he is in fact telling about the buddhi and um, like in every discourse swami has the syllabus properly chalked out looks like <laughs> and he starts this discourse with various definitions of buddhi so he in fact um, uh, reminds us of 
um, the classic example of the chariot and the horses and the mind. He says the chariot is like the human body. The horses are like the senses. The reins are the mind. And the charioteer is buddhi. In fact, the chapter itself is titled Buddhi the Charioteer. Right. And one of the discourses on the mind was hold the reins. Yeah, that's true. The, the second discourse on the mind. And um, Swami starts with um, saying how uh, buddhi is the link with the Atman. He says it comes in between the mind and the Atma. And there is the first definition of buddhi which he says, Nishchayatmaka buddhi. It says uh, it has the decision making capacity. And then he goes on to say how it is also referred to as Antarvani, that is the voice of the conscience. And um, he says uh, in the Upanishads, there is a classic example of Shraddhavan Labhate Gyanam and Samshayatma Vinashati. These are the two Ashtakshari mantras. And he compares them to the two banks in between which life has to flow as a river. Right. And uh, that he said in connection to doubts, that is Samshayatma Vinashati. Now, in the context of Buddhi, he says where there is Buddhi and there is clear discrimination and understanding, there is no place for doubts. So, that is what we have covered so far in this discourse. And before we go on to the next clip, sir, I would like to ask you a small question. In fact, there is a doubt lingering here. Swami said that Buddhi is referred to as the voice of conscience. And um, many times we get, when we are, in, we are caught up in life, uh, in a dilemma, we get several answers from within. How do we differentiate which is the voice of the conscience and which is the voice of the mind? Uh, how do we really get to the right answer? This is uh, an interesting question. I think it was the year 2003. We were all in Kodekanal. Mm -hmm. And uh, Swami was there with the students. Okay. And uh, he asked various people to speak. And when it came to my turn, mm -hmm. I raised this very question. Okay. <laughs> uh, you hear so many voices. How do you know the right voice from the wrong voice? Okay. And uh, I attempted to give an answer. Swami didn't give any comment, but what happened was after I finished, hmm. Professor U.S. Rao was also there. Okay. Uh, and he said that in one of the interviews, he asked Swami the case, same question mm -hmm. and Swami gave the answer which I had given. So, oh. by <laughs> sheer luck and grace, now, I came out with the answer. <laughs> now, we are really waiting for the answer now. <laughs> How much do you pay me? <laughs> okay. Uh, you see, basically, we are made up of many entities. Correct. And at a macro level, there are three entities. The body, which is gross. The mind, which is subtle. Aspect of Atman, which is causal. How did these three things get into us? Well, it is easy to understand how gross matter gets into us. Mm -hmm. We eat food and automatically that aggregates and that's how matter gets into our body. Mm -hmm. Today we can use scientific language and say atoms and molecules get into our body largely through what we intake. But what about the mind? If the atoms come from the inert universe around us, what about the mind? Where did it come? And what about the so-called Atman? Where did that come? It turns out that uh, modern science has no answers for these things. There are three aspects to a living being, especially a human being. First is the body. 
then the, the life and uh, the life has got many aspects uh, including breathing circulation and one of them is the thought process the most important of them is thought process that is supposed to take place in the brain but the mind is more than the brain the brain is something you can take out and handle uh, hold in your hand you can do surgery and all that the mind is associated with uh, humans and modern psychologists refer to it as an epiphenomenon that is there is a phenomenon and you use that phenomenon to uh, have a concept okay whereas in vedantic philosophy and in swami's teachings the mind comes from the subtle part of the universe there are actually three universes okay one of which is the material universe then there is the co- subtle universe then there is the causal universe and he uses the words bhutakasa chittakasa and chidakasa okay bhutakasa is the gross chittakasa is the subtle and chidakasa is the causal okay so the mind comes from chittakasa mm-hmm. and the atmic aspect in us comes from the chidakasa correct and chidakasa comes from brahman okay mm-hmm. so when creation there is no creation there is only brahman but when there is creation he creates three layers first he creates the causal level because that is the seed mm-hmm. bijam mam sarva bhutanam krishna says that is the what you call the real comprehensive gene correct that comprehensive gene has the causal aspect then there is the subtle aspect and the material aspect so that he creates three universes and puts them into our body correct so that is first thing we have to understand mm. okay now let's come to the voices yes the two competing voices are the mind mm-hmm. it is brand a and the <laughs> conscience which is brand b correct the fundamental difference between these two voices apart from the fact that mind has a megaphone and you can hear it very loudly <laughs> it will say on the one hand you are, you want to know what to do mm-hmm. you are caught in a moral dilemma should i do this should i not do this the mind will say on the one hand on the other hand if you do this this is the advantage you get if you do that you get advantage there is a third adva- option you can do the bypass both these things and so on it will confuse you with many options the atma or the voice of conscience will give you one answer and only one answer mm-hmm. and that answer is based on truth okay that is the point however there is a problem as i told you the voice of the mind is very strong because it has got very big powerful amplifiers <laughs> <laughs> that's true and uh, unless you quieten the mind you can't hear the voice of conscience in the old days when we had the canteen with stone slabs and all that there used to be a small board mm-hmm. it is only in the depths of silence you can hear the, the voice, voice of god, god. so you have to practice the drill and when you practice the drill this voice will become louder and louder and uh, the buddhi is the one that will convey listen the conscience is telling this you better follow so in a sense buddhi is the spokesperson for the voice of conscience correct something mm-hmm. like that correct you see these are all very symbolic way of explaining something that is very subtle and mm-hmm. uh, uh, cannot be abstract yes. in a sense that's what i was looking for brain we can understand correct you can actually take x-rays ct scans mris and all that mm-hmm. where is the mind correct so me has told a story somebody uh, came and complained about somebody 
then she said she's mad go and beat that uh, person mm-hmm. so fellow took and st- went to hit her so what do you want to hit so i want to hit you why because you are talking mad things do you know where the mad things are coming from mind <laughs> then hit the mind don't hit me <laughs> the fellow didn't know where the mind was so this is basically the problem with the mind but it's a very important concept and in fact uh, many scholars uh, say that uh, the mind is a very complex entity it has many segments one of which is buddhi correct and that buddhi has to be in contact with atman it's like a hotline to the atman the way to distinguish the two voices is which voice gives a single answer okay an ambiguous answer which is based on the scriptures okay. it is not based on market it is not based on what a says what b says it is not based on the rupee dollar exchange rate nothing mm. that if you can distinguish clearly then you are home but to be able to distinguish that the phone connection must be good good that is buddhi <laughs> that's true that is buddhi and that connection is improved through sadhana in fact in one of the earlier discourses swami says uh, what is a good thought and what is a bad thought this is a definition which uh, i have not heard before swami says the thought that differentiates one person from the other if the thought says that you are different from the other person that's a bad thought and <laughs> the thought which unites everybody is a good thought so possibly the answer that buddhi is giving you uh, at a, any point of time it relates to the ultimate truth that all are one is that right or absolutely see uh, there is only one yes and what you see are aspects of that one at the working level we do have to have this difference and swami himself has said this he says there is a man mm-hmm. his two eyes see three women okay does he behave in the same way with all the three he can't say everybody is same and behave in the same way correct there are practical realities connected with our empirical existence with the body and so on mm-hmm. uh, that is very clear we should not confuse one with the other correct he says one of the women is his mother mm-hmm. so he has to give respect another uh, of them is his daughter mm-hmm. he has to protect her make sure she is taken care of and uh, married to the right person and so on and so forth mm-hmm. so there he is a protector here he is a servant mm-hmm. then he is also the husband of this thing their responsibilities are different he and she both jointly uh, run the family Correct. So he has to have her consent and uh, he must make sure she doesn't go on the wrong path and he must listen to her advice when he tries to go on the wrong path and so on. So his relationship with her is different. So this uh, differentiation cannot be wished away completely. Correct. We we need to keep that in mind. Correct. Very true. <laughs> so, so otherwise we can do all sorts of crazy things. You <laughs> so can take a small baby and try to give it masal dosa. <laughs> It'll die. Whereas a twenty-year fellow, as they say, can eat a horse. As they say. <laughs> so yeah, at the same time, an old man, you better not give him ras malai and all that. <laughs> That's true. It'll pack him up very quickly. So we have to be careful about. when you differentiate and when you don't differentiate when it comes to matters of truth mm-hmm. there is no difference when it ma- comes to matters of compassion forbearance and forgiveness there is no difference 
So what you are saying is that as long as you are in this world with an empirical reality, there is a set of rules, there is a set of uh, understanding and way of life which we have to abide by. Absolutely. Swami makes it very clear in the Gita Vahini. Basically there are two levels. One level lays down the basic rule, other level you apply. The level at which you lay the basic rule is Atman and that is Atma Dharma. It is only a statement. One statement. It's like the constitution. And you must have various uh, acts of parliament that are consonants with the constitution. If they don't conform, the court will say this is a, a null and void. It will strike down the act. So, these actions must be linked to the Atman. So, Swami says very clearly in the Gita Vahini, actions are what you do in the world with your body and mind. Mm-hmm. Actions become necessary on account of circumstances in the world. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes and tries to rob you. Then you react. That's something that happens in the world. Every action is connected with what happens in the world. However, the motivation for the action should not be based on the world. Selfishness should not be the motive of Whatever it is, uh, hatred. Mm. The motivation for the action must be based in the your primordial roots. Correct. So, they must be rooted in Satya, Dharma, Shanti, Prema, Ahimsa, Daya, Karuna, Shama and so on. Therefore, when you go to those roots and you act, then differences will not be there. Mm -hmm. Because these are divine attributes. God does not distinguish anybody. That's why Swami says, all are alike, be alike, uh, same to everyone. So, it depends on the circumstances. There are circumstances where you have to be uh, make a distinction. Correct. But then again, that motivation is uh, divine because you protect a child from certain things for its good. That is dharma. Hmm. Whereas, as uh, Swami uh, uh, often has given the story of Ramakrishna Paramahansa and his disciples mm-hmm. and comparing with the car tire pressure. If the pressure is too much, you must let out air. If the pressure is less, you must add air. So, Correct. these differences in behavior are modulated by empirical reality. But the motivation is always the same. Uh, I must do my duty. It boils down to that. And that duty must be based in divine roots. See, that's why Krishna says in the end, if you think you are fighting for your kingdom, you are on your own. <laughs> if, you, if you think you are fighting for team dharma, then you are with me. Otherwise, I don't care for you. So that is the, And that decision you have to make. Which team are you going to join? Correct. Because in the end he says, mm-hmm. I have told you all what's your decision. Then he says, Karishya Vachanam Tava. I, I, I follow you and I will do what you what say. What do you say? I hope that, that made some sense. Definitely, sir. It in clarified. Fact, in the discourse which Swami gave about the body, a long... Uh, this goes, Swami says how you should take care of the body but there he emphasizes the importance of knowing why you are taking care of this body. Absolutely. The fact that this is a, a vehicle which is given to you to reach your destination. To keep that in your mind always is the most important thing. Uh, there is something more than that. Swami also says that it's a temple in which is housed the divinity. Correct. So, the temple has uh, an external structure. Mm-hmm. Then the Garbhagraha where the idol is. Yeah. Correct. So, you can't have a dirty temple. The body must be clean. Mm-hmm. Right. Then Garbhagraha is the mind. The mind also must be clean. Mm-hmm. 
then only you can uh, install the idol and uh, do worship otherwise uh, god will say i have got better accommodation <laughs> <laughs> one very powerful statement he made in the first discourse i think this is a food for the body is given through the senses you intake through the various senses that's food for the body food for the mind is truth that is what swami said truth sustains the mind that is i think the aspect of buddhi Buddhi is what points the truth out to you. Truth is uh, one of the diets that the mind gets. Correct. Because <laughs> the world has a lot of other alternates. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, just as in food also, mm-hmm. you have good food and junk food. Correct. So you have uh, truth and all that is uh, opposite of truth. That's true. So the mind has got options. Ma- <laughs> the market is very clever. It offers <laughs> options. and that is where buddhi has to play a role she this is made in bangkok rolex <laughs> this is made in geneva rolex don't buy this buy this <laughs> i think that is the segment where uh, of the discourse we are actually going to where he says the different aspects of buddhi i think we should go to the clip and find out how swami is connecting the previous episode which ended with the concept of ahankara this is the third clip in that discourse okay ఇది క్రమక్రమేణ బుద్ధి అనేటువంటిది ఆత్మకు అత్యంత సమీపంగా ఉంటుండాలి దిస్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ ఈజ్ వెరీ క్లోజ్లీ సెట్ టు ఆత్మ ఆత్మకు సమీపం ఉండటు చేత ఆత్మ యొక్క ప్రభావము ఆత్మ యొక్క ప్రకాశము ఆత్మ యొక్క ప్రచిన్నత ఈ బుద్ధిని సరిగ్గా చేరడానికి అవకాశం ఉంటుంటుంది యాజ్ ది ప్రాక్సిమిటీ ఆఫ్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ to atma is very high it is likely to get the as it is very near it is likely to just have the impact and the influence of atma on that kanuka atma shakti antai kudanu inchu minchu 90 bhagamulu buddhi pai ki raavadaniki avakasam untundadi there is an opportunity for the atmic power 90% of it to reach this intelligence ee tarvatane deham manasu paina prasaristundi after this intelligence alone this atma power ee manasu yokka prabhavame indriyavulu paina prasaristundi the power of mind is set on the senses indriyavulu yokka prabhavame deham paina the power of the senses is left on the body shuddhamaina addam vantidi ani manukunna anukunnam we thought that intelligence is like a pure mirror suryu yokka kiranamulu mana intilo praveshinchutaku idi chaala kashtam the rays of the sun may not straight away get into our house achyanta chikatito koorinatundi yokka grahamulo ee surya kiranamulu cheralanukunnappudu manamu addamunu suryu vaipuna trippi దానిని ఇంటి వైపును కొంతవరకు మరల్చినప్పుడు ఆ యొక్క సూర్యుని యొక్క ప్రతిబింబము అద్దం పైన పడి అద్దం యొక్క ప్రతిబింబము గృహంలో ప్రవేశిస్తుంది ఇఫ్ యు వాంట్ ద రేస్ ఆఫ్ ది సన్ టు రీచ్ యువర్ హోమ్ వేర్ దెర్ ఇస్ డార్క్నెస్ యు మేక్ ది రేస్ ఆఫ్ ది సన్ రిఫ్లెక్ట్ ఆన్ ద మిరర్ టర్న్ ది మిరర్ ఇన్ సచ్ వే దట్ ది రేస్ విల్ రిఫ్లెక్ట్ ఇన్ టు ది హౌస్ అండ్ దెన్ లైట్ ఈ షెడ్ ఈ సూర్యుని యొక్క కిరణమును డైరెక్ట్ గా రూమ్ లో పడడానికి వీలు కాదు it is not possible to get the rays of the sun directly into the house dwarane ee yokka grahamlo praveshinchali it is possible to make this rays go into the house 
ఉంటుంది the origin of a river is sacred the place the place where the water spring is there it is sacred it is pure kani kramakramina pravahinchi janulayokku upayogasthayiki vachche tappatiki malinyani pondutayi by the time this water flows from the spring to the place where the men are using it gets polluted and it becomes dirty adhe reetigane aatma yokka prabhavamu suryuna paina padi అనగా బుద్ధి పైన పడి బుద్ధి నుంచి మనసు పైన పడి మనసు నుంచి ఇంద్రియములో ప్రవేశించి ఇంద్రియుల ద్వారా శరీరం దగ్గరికి వచ్చేటప్పటికి ఇది పరిపూర్ణ మాలిన్యాన్ని పొందుతుంది ఇన్ ద సేమ్ వే ది పవర్ ఆఫ్ ఆత్మ ఆఫ్టర్ ఫాలోయింగ్ ఇట్ ఆన్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ అండ్ దెన్ ఆన్ ద మైండ్ అండ్ దెన్ ఆన్ ద సెన్సెస్ అండ్ బై ది టైమ్ ఇట్ రీచెస్ ది బాడీ దే వుడ్ హావ్ లాస్ట్ మచ్ ఆఫ్ ఇట్స్ పవర్ కనుక మనము ఈ పవిత్రమైనటువంటి బుద్ధిని పరిశుద్ధమైనటువంటిగా తీర్చిదిద్దుకున్నప్పుడు ఈ బుద్ధి యొక్క ప్రభావము డైరెక్ట్ గా దేహం పైన కూడా పడడానికి అవకాశం ఉంటుంటాయి ఇఫ్ వీ కెన్ మేక్ ది ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ ప్యూర్ దెన్ ఇట్ ఈస్ పాసిబుల్ దాట్ ది పవర్ విచ్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ డిరైవ్ ఫ్రమ్ ఆత్మ మే బి డైరెక్ట్లీ అలౌట్ టు ఫాలో పవిత్రతకు బుద్ధి యొక్క నిర్మలత్వంలోకి మానవుడు ప్రయత్నించాలి దేర్ ఫోర్ మ్యాన్ హ్యాస్ టు మేక్ ఎఫర్ట్ to keep his intelligence sacred and pure dashe upanishadulu undiyadu oka pradhanamainatundi upanishadu taitreya upanishadu among the upanishad taitreya upanishad is a very important ee upanishadunandu ee buddhini oka pachiga varnistu vachindi in this taitreya upanishad intelligence has been described as a bird deeni yokka sirassu shraddha anetundiga nirupinchindi the head of this bird is shraddha interest kudivayapunnatundi pachamu anaga rekka deeniki rutamu ani peru pettindi the right wing has been described as rutamu yadavayapunnatundi rekka peru satyamu ani nirupinchindi the left wing has been called satyamu truth madhyanunna dehamulaku mahattattvamu ani peru pettindi the body the proper is described as mahattatvamu dini tokaku yogamu ani namakaranam chesindi the name given to its tail is yogam anaga shraddha anetundi oga buddhi anetundi pachiki shraddha sirassu for the bird of intelligence shraddha or interest is the head kudi prakkana rekka rutamu the right wing is ruta yadavu prakara rekka satyamu the left wing is truth dehamu mahattattvamu the, the remaining body is mahattattvam toka yogamu the tail is yoga kanaka buddhi anaga kevalamu okka bhagamato kudinatundi kaadu rutamu satyamu mahattattvamu kevalamu oka vidhamainatundi okka yogam tho kudinatundi therefore when you say intelligence it is associated with ruta truth interest mahatvatva and yoga buddhi samanyamainatundi kaadu 
Therefore, intelligence is not ordinary thing. ఇది ఇన్ని రకములైనటువంటి అంగములతో కూడినప్పుడే ఇది పరిపూర్ణ బుద్ధి స్వరూపాన్ని పొందుతుంది టు బి ఫుల్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ ఇట్ మస్ట్ హ్యావ్ ఆల్ దీస్ లింబ్స్ టుగెదర్ దెన్ ఓన్లీ ఇట్ ఈస్ ఫుల్ విక్రమాదిత్యుని కాలమునందు డూరింగ్ ది డేస్ ఆఫ్ విక్రమాదిత్య ఆయన మహా పండితుల చేత ఒక సమావేశం గావించాడు ఈ కాల్డ్ ఫార్ ఏ వెరీ బిగ్ మీటింగ్ అసెంబ్లీ ఇక్కడ శ్రద్ధ ప్రధానమైనటువంటిదా లేక మేధా ప్రధానమైనటువంటిదా బుద్ధి ప్రధానమైనటువంటిదా దీనిని మీరు తీర్చి చెప్పాలి అన్నాడు ఈ ఆస్క్డ్ ది మెంబర్స్ ఇన్ ది అసెంబ్లీ వెదర్ ఇట్ ఈస్ శ్రద్ధ ఇంట్రెస్ట్ ఆర్ మేధా ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ మేధా ఆర్ బుద్ధి విచ్ ఆఫ్ దీస్ త్రీ బుద్ధికి శిరస్థ అనేటువంటి శ్రద్ధనే లేకపోతే ఇది ఏమాత్రము ప్రయోజనం లేదు ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ వితౌట్ ద హెడ్ ఆఫ్ శ్రద్ధ ఇంట్రెస్ట్ ఈ సమావేశంలో అనేక మంది అనేక విధములుగా కూడా చెప్తూ వచ్చారు డిఫరెంట్ పీపుల్ ఇన్ ది అసెంబ్లీకి డిఫరెంట్ కట్ట కడపటికి మేధాశక్తియే గొప్ప అన్నారు అల్టిమేట్లీ దే సెట్ దట్ దిస్ పవర్ ఆఫ్ మేధస్ దాట్ ఈస్ ఎ వెరీ ఇంపార్టెంట్ వన్ విక్రమాదిత్యుడు పండితుడి యొక్క జవాబునకు చాలా చింతించి దీనికి సరైనటువంటి జవాబును చెప్పలేకపోయారు కదా అని యోచించాడు కింగ్ విక్రమాదిత్య వాజ్ ఫీలింగ్ సారీ దట్ ఎ ప్రాపర్ రిప్లై హాజ్ నాట్ కమ్ ఫార్వర్డ్ ఫ్రమ్ ది పండిట్స్ ఆయన చెప్పాడు హీ టోల్డ్ హెమ్ ఆస్థ్య ఆస్థ స్వస్థాత్యాయ స్వాత్ మేధయే నిరుపయోగ ప్రయోజన అన్నాడు అనగా ఆస్థ స్వాస్థాయ నస్వాత్ మేధయ కిం ప్రయోజన ఓ పండితులారా ఆస్థ అనగా కేవలం ఆసక్తి ఓ స్కాలర్స్ స్వాస్థ అనగా ఒక స్థిరత్వము డిజైర్ స్టేడినెస్ ఆసక్తి స్థిరత్వము లేనటువంటి యొక్క మేధ నిరుపయోగము అన్నాడు మేధస్ విచ్ ఈస్ నాట్ అసోసియేటెడ్ విత్ డిజైర్ అండ్ స్టడీనెస్ ఈజ్ యూజ్లెస్ అనేక మంది చాలా మేధాశక్తులుగా ఉండవచ్చును దేర్ మే బి మెనీ పీపుల్ హూ విల్ హ్యావ్ దట్ పవర్ ఆఫ్ మేధ శ్రద్ధనే లేకపోతే ఈ మేధాతో ఏమి సాధించగలరు వితౌట్ ఇంట్రెస్ట్ what is it that they are going to achieve with that medha shakti ee medha shakti payane oka sthiratvame lekapothe ye karyamnu vaadu sadhinchaledu without that sense of steadiness with merely having intelligence they are not going to achieve anything at all steddha sthiratvamu rendu undinappude aa shakti balapadutundi interest and steadiness alone will kanaka motha motha aa shakti the first one is aa shakti sthiratvamu the second one is ee rendu koodinatundide buddhi intelligence must be associated with these two kanuka manavudu telivitetalu endu maatrame aadhara padi telivitetalni nammukoni jeevinchatamu idi kevalam veritanam therefore if man thinks that cleverness and intelligence alone can give him success he is mistaken 
దీనిపైన అమితమైన ఆసక్తిని మనం పెంచుకోవాలి దెర్ ఇస్ నీడ్ ఫార్ ఎక్స్ట్రాడినరీ ఇంట్రెస్ట్ ఇన్ దట్ ఆ ఆసక్తిని స్థిరత్వంగా మనం రూపొందింప చేసుకోవాలి యూ హావ్ టు ట్రాన్స్ఫార్మ్ దట్ ఇంట్రెస్ట్ ఇన్ టు స్టెడినెస్ అప్పుడే మానవుడు ఎట్టి ఘనకార్యం సులభంగా సాధించగలడు దెన్ ఓన్లీ కెన్ అచీవ్ ఎనిథింగ్ ఇన్ లైఫ్ దట్ వాజ్ అ డిఫికల్ట్ సెగ్మెంట్ విత్ సో మెనీ న్యూ టర్మ్స్ కమింగ్ అప్ but um, can i get out <laughs> no sir that's exactly why we need you here the door is locked <laughs> the door is locked and uh, uh, the various aspects of buddhi when swami is describing these two wings of satyam and ritam that swami talks of i think uh, we need uh, some light on that sir if you can explain what is the difference between satyam and ritam this is a very very important question before i talk about satyam and ritam i will go back to the paraphrase of the gitavani essence which i mentioned earlier actions are performed here but the motivation should come from something transcendental namely the atman now we talk of truth what do we mean by truth normally we mean factual accuracy correct so something written that must be accurate in relation to facts or something is spoken that must be accurate in relation to facts so you are asked to raise your hand put your other hand on some sacred book and say i'll speak the truth nothing but the truth and all that stuff but what is this truth is it just accuracy of facts supposing a person is deaf and dumb does truth have no existence for that person because that person cannot hear cannot speak correct so the is the person always truthful <laughs> or a truthful or non truthful uh, this is it doesn't make sense swami says being truthful is not just being accurate with respect to words that's a shady and phony definition being truthful means being truthful to your true intrinsic nature what is your nature your spark of the divine therefore being truthful means your actions must reflect and your thoughts your feelings your actions your words must all reflect your inner nature that inner nature's attributes are satyam dharmam shanti prema ahimsa kshama daya karuna etc so there is the real world and there is the transcendental supreme world correct so rhythm is truth in that world mm-hmm. satyam is truth in the world in which we live okay this is a projection of that okay. and this must be connected to that that connection is needed in fact uh, in this context it looks like that is buddhi because it's the uh, two wings of the same bird yeah buddhi is what brings that information and say listen buddy this is the wrong action this is the right action it helps you to practice truth observe truth adhere to truth and also steadfastly and in this connection we have to also recall what swami has said about education because that is related to being smart and clever mm-hmm. all that comes from secular knowledge you can become a great computer expert you can become such an expert you'll say why the hell should i work let me commit bank frauds with uh, <laughs> computer <laughs> and make money people do that so that is knowledge gone berserk 
Why? Because Buddha is absent. Correct. So Swami says, you must not only have secular knowledge, you must have spiritual knowledge, knowledge of Apara, the other world. And these must be strongly intertwined, like the two strands of DNA. You can't have DNA with only one strand. Correct. Then it's not DNA. Correct. It is some uh, some stuff. Some RNA. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it is, but it's not DNA. DNA must have two strands and there must be those bridges. Correct. So, secular and spiritual knowledge must be integrated. Why? Then only your actions will have linkages to the other world. Then only Satya, which is born out of rhythm, will be reflected in your thoughts and words and actions. So, this... Life must always be related to something else. And Swami referred to yoga. Correct. That yoga is very interesting. Uh-huh. Yoga is actually that which creates a union with God. Uh-huh. There are many ways of doing that. Correct. And uh, in this context, buddhi, if used properly, will bring you closer to God. Correct. That is why Krishna talks about buddhi yoga in the second chapter. Arjuna, first get told of Buddhi Yoga. Then you are on the right track. He says that, Nasti Buddhi Rayuktasya, Nacha Yuktasya Bhavanha, Nacha Bhavaya Shantihi, Ashantasya Kutashukam. So, that is good. You have given a bit of the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> so, there is no happiness without uh, aligning yourself to the Buddhi. But uh, the whole concept of Buddhi uh, looks so big and so confusing. But the beautiful part is, he says, Shraddha is the head of this bird. That means, uh, it does Swami mean that your interest towards knowing the truth, your interest towards knowing the actual truth of who you are is important even while you are living in this world? No, no, no. It's more than interest. Okay. I have faith. Okay. I have faith in that there is something beyond me. Hmm? And at best, I have come from that. Okay. You see, I will quote two personalities, both well-known, in this connection. I gave a music talk recently. It was related to a speech of Gandhi, which he recorded in 1931. The first sentence is, There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. I feel it, though I cannot see it. And he had faith in that power. And uh, second one person I mentioned is Clinton. In 2004, there was a big tsunami, if you remember. Yes. That uh, tsunami was the result of a huge earthquake off Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And the maximum damage was caused in the, on the island of Sumatra, in a place called Achen, I think. Even there, there was total destruction. And he said, someone else is in charge. As simple <laughs> as that. Now, do you believe that someone else is there and he is in charge? That faith is needed. Now, that faith is lacking in most of the people today who are very intelligent, who are geeks or whatever you call them. They may invent all sorts of things. But they have absolutely no faith in God, belief in God, and the transcendental power, and all that it implies, including truth and justice. You say, look, I'm smart. I did everything. And I'm entitled to the fruits of my labor. In other words... They create a justification for winner takes all. I made money, it is mine. I don't owe anything to anybody. So it creates not only false logic, mm-hmm. but sows the seeds of adharma. 
Correct. And it is very strong these days. The other day I heard an interview which Farid Zakaria had with the head of Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. which is a very big uh, investment, investment banker, banker. In, in Wall Street. The head of that says, well, today winner takes all. That is the belief of society. That is the way we live. We must come to terms with it. There are unfortunate people who lose out. We must try to do something for them. That is a way of justifying adharma. Adharma always finds some reasons to justify itself and say it is right. And with Detroit claiming for bankruptcy, I think uh, we saw the poor case of those uh, policemen. He says, what am I to do? I will not get pension. That is one poor policeman. There are millions <laughs> exactly. of teachers. See, basically, uh, you grab because of your greed. Greed comes into your mind and greed destroys. Greed is worse than all the nuclear bombs you can think of. One man's greed is enough to destroy the whole world. That's why Mahatma Gandhi said, the planet has enough to sustain all the people, Need. but doesn't have enough to meet the greed of, satisfy the greed of one, one man. man. And that is really true. So, faith is needed. If you don't have faith, you are getting ready to destroy the world. Just a stupid question here. Somebody like the person from Goldman Sachs, he is able to get away with his philosophy of life until the end of this birth. He goes by his selfish nature and he is able to lead life, quote-unquote, very successfully in the world. Uh, what happens to him? By the way, it's a very standard uh, dictum in the world of teaching. There are no stupid questions. There are only stupid answers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but it's a very important and in- interesting question. More than interesting, it's important. We think of life as something that begins at birth and ends at death. That is true of the body. But we are not just the body. We are made up of three things. So, the question can be asked, what happens to the mind? Mm-hmm. When the fellow is buried, is the mind buried along with him? Or when the fellow is cremated, does the mind evaporate? Mm-hmm. The mind cannot be touched by the forces of the inner world. Correct. Lightning, thunder, fire, nothing can touch the mind. It's subtle. Mm-hmm. The mind is the repository of desires. Correct. The person would have had all kinds of desires. Mm -hmm. Some of them would have been realized. This is the bank that contains the desires. Mm -hmm. And mind exists along with the Atma. So the mind and the Atma join together and they form what is called a subtle body. It is said the subtle body can have experience without the need of senses. What that experience is, we do not know. But this much Vedanta says, the subtle body hangs around. Mm-hmm. And then gets into another body. And then the mind now has a fresh opportunity to exercise its desires and seek fulfillment. Swami so says, this is just like a fellow taking off the shirt and wearing a new shirt. The old desires still continue. What he was, mm-hmm. His ambitions of yesterday are there today and they have even grown perhaps. So... This process of birth and rebirth, punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, as Shankara said, continues. Mm-hmm. And Krishna says over a period of many cycles, mm-hmm. usually there is progress. Mm-hmm. And it, when you come very close, my grace will save you and my humor is with me. Okay. So, you, there is a price to pay. 
there is no free lunch <laughs> in the market so anybody who is greedy now mm-hmm. will get it back okay and in some cases this has been disclosed by swami in many manners mm-hmm. for example i was told that on one occasion parents came with their daughters who were suffering mm-hmm. can you do something very bad case of uh, physical disability whatever it was swami said i can do it mm-hmm. but this will be aggravated in the next birth it is better for them to pay it off now and be free from it mm-hmm. you decide what you want they said swami let your uh, will prevail mm-hmm. not our will we go by what you say he said then leave it alone mm-hmm. it's better for them and those people also accepted the mm-hmm. people who concerned the afflicted ones so this is a very long story it doesn't Correct. disappear like once i remember swami was asked swami why do devotees like sakubai and tukaram have to suffer so much mm-hmm. after having love and devotion to god swami just asked did they tell you that they suffered <laughs> so we go by our perceptions that this person is enjoying life and this person is uh, going through a lot of difficulties but i think swami alone knows what is going on in the mind of the person who has done all these things and has got in away fact, with it since you mentioned sakubai I have to recall a beautiful drama staged in Purnachandra Hall on Ashada Ekadisi many many years ago normally morning program is taken care of by the Bombay I think the this was Bo- 2002 sir so uh, they uh, stay sakubai i don't right, remember the I year remember uh, but what happened was there is a side stage mm-hmm. and there krishna and rukmini are having a conversation and sakubai is about to married and uh, rukmini says krishna how can you let her do this go through this she wants you mm-hmm. and krishna says rukmini you don't seem to know how to get juice from a sugar cane <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, you know there is a divine purpose behind it and before swami came to that uh, ritam and satyam swami makes a beautiful point of the buddhi being like the mirror which reflects the sun rays into the house correct but never can be as effulgent as the sun itself sun rays itself buddhi is a, a what you call a construct which can be described by various imageries and analogies the one which i normally use mm-hmm. is a hotline correct the hotline is normally between two, the presidents of two countries and it first came into existence uh, during the cold war when there was uh, the chance of accidental war mm-hmm. due to instrumentation failure and all that so they decided to have a hotline between moscow and washington and it would be checked every 20 minutes one fellow in moscow will dial the other fellow and read out something in russian oh. the other fellow will <laughs> talk back or something a routine thing every 20 minutes mm-hmm. So, buddhi is the hotline between the mind and the atma. If the mind is smart, it will keep the buddhi in working condition. And Swami says, Om is God's telephone number. So, mind has to go on saying, Om. Oh. <laughs> It's very just, interesting because uh, I remember the awareness class when you gave this very analogy of the hotline. And I remember one more thing which you said. How do you keep this thing functioning? You have to keep using it. You know, one of the first things. <laughs> yeah, that's what you they used to do in the, the, the Moscow. And the, because you don't know whether it's When in it working fades. condition. You have to keep using it. Mm-hmm. So one has to keep listening to the conscience to keep that hotline alive. So uh, how does Om come into the picture, sir? Like Om is Pranavas uh, mantra. So when you ch- chant that, 
you are sort of you know trying to connect with the primordial source which is atman okay so the mind has to connect to the atman correct the simplest is <laughs> that's why some said om is god's telephone number okay <laughs> and then he goes on to this another analogy of how the river is flowing it's very pure when it's in the source and uh, one of your favorite examples of ganga and <laughs> the pollution that it acquires by the time it reaches the ocean fits in exactly here because uh, as the river flows it uh, gathers lot of pollution see the basic point is the entire power of the body mm-hmm. comes from god okay. whether it's the motor power or the mind power both of them come from god mm-hmm. but when the power is exercised by the senses and the mind mm-hmm. if they are not in good shape they pollute so the power ultimately manifests as actions thoughts and words thoughts words and action all these three that's what comes out of this system called the body correct correct okay so it is like uh, the source of the power is atma but it flows out through the mind and the body correct it comes out as pollution stuff because there is contamination in the mind there's contamination in the senses so that's uh, sewage water <laughs> being let into ganga sir you spoke about faith being a very important uh, entity in this whole process i remember that there was a incident which happened when sir was asked a question of is it possible for an atheist to attain uh, atma sakshatkar and uh, sir had given an explanation i think swami had also given an expression to uh, explanation to add to that i don't know about that but i was apparently answering that question mm-hmm. i have been asked that question in the, in the school mm-hmm. uh, the boy that said can an atheist get moksha mm-hmm. he doesn't believe in god i said look i don't know what you mean by god you first define god mm-hmm. then i'll answer your question mm-hmm. so he was uh, not able to i said well truth is god correct now if that fellow believes in truth mm-hmm. and goes by his conscience mm-hmm. then he is believing in god he is believing in nirakara brahman you believe in sakara brahman so there is no problem and i was told that uh, when i was doing this q and a mm-hmm. radio say this question was being discussed and apparently satyajit went to swami 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 in radio say this man is explaining this am uh, atheist he said what is there any fellow can get all he has to do is to get rid of deha bimanam so it is as simple as that because deha vimanam leads to attachment to this ephemeral world the moment i get rid of that attachment i am free that's why swami used to say moksha is mohachaya mm-hmm. so that is the most important thing it doesn't mean that you have to be a uh, to get rid of deha vimanam you have to be a christian or muslim or hindu but if you happen to be that swami always said be a good hindu be a good christian because automatically when you are a good person you tend to be more focused on others so you have less of swartham and swaprayojanam and the lesser they become the lesser deha vibhanam also becomes you are always concerned about others you are not concerned about your body and your welfare there are some compulsive helpers do gooders they have a better chance of liberation than people who believe in only themselves a perfect example of swami himself in his swami life of course has to be <laughs> but the point is he showed that it can be done with the hum- by humans correct he can be done by humans 
Uh, just remember that uh, the first thing Swami told as he came out from his room in Kodaikanal in in the year 1999. It was about five in the morning, five five fifteen. Uh, Swami came out and there was this curtain. Swami just opened it a wee bit and he was peeping from that, and we were wondering what Swami is looking at. Then he looked back at us and he says, "Do you know devotees are standing there right from four o'clock in the morning?" And it is so cold outside. You boys are happily sitting here with a carpeted floor, and they are standing there in the cold for my darshan. So, as you said, he is always thinking of his devotees. He is always thinking of others. He did that all the time. He was invited to play sex. So, we have built a nice building. This there, mm-hmm. very good, very nice. Chala santosham. When are you coming, Swami? I can come, but there are problems if I come. No, what problems? Swami, we'll take care of everything. Not that you fellow. When Swami comes, a lot of people will come. Devotees will come. Where will they stay? In your city, there is no place to stay, and uh, they will be left high and dry. I don't want to inconvenience them. <laughs> that means I am not coming to your place. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't think we have time for a second clip. Yes, I think we've almost come to the end of the. But, uh, you may decide to stall time. I'm sorry about no, that. No, it was a pleasure to have you and uh, hear from you. Sir. Yeah, let us hear from the listeners about that. <laughs> Maybe I'll write a lot of letters. <laughs> I know radio side. Uh, this segment uh, with so many new terms and so many things coming up, I think it was a very fruitful discussion because uh, there was a lot of clarity on what is satyam, what is ritam, what is shraddha, and what is yoga, because all these are parts aspects of the buddhi. One thing which still uh, confuses me is, what about scientists? Sorry to ask you the question because you are a scientist no, no, you yourself. Say, you are assuming I am scientist. How do you know that assumption is right? Especially because Swami is talking here about which is greater, shraddha or medha? Yeah. The question which Vikramaditya is. No, that is very simple. If I believe in God, that is any day superior because at the end of the day I am going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. I may lose a few battles here and there. The guy who is uh, got a lot of intellect and who makes a lot of killing on, on the market, how long will it last? When he dies, how much does he take with him? When he is born next time, when he is born a beggar, what's all that account sitting in his name in the bank going to do? Correct. So that is a blind faith in the wrong thing. It's a wrong bet he makes. Mm-hmm. If I put it that way, there is a need for humility. And to recognize that we are here, not as a biological accident or anything like that, but but a higher principle which Correct. has ordained that we shall be here. That humility must be there. Correct. And once I have that humility, and I am able to see that I am connected to something which I can't comprehend, but it is there. Slowly, I begin to experience it in various ways. What is the meaning of experience? It I feel joy. I feel happiness, just like that. I feel happiness helping a person. You know, I saw a picture of a baby, newborn baby. Mm-hmm. It's sleeping. Maybe it's a few hours old. It has got a beautiful smile. I have shown it to so many people. I have shown that slide in America. They were all stunned. They said, "What's it happy about? Has it won a lottery?" <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even know its mother. It is in contact with its own self. It is able to experience its real self. That is going to go off very shortly. The moment it sees toys, chocolates, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ice cream and stuff like that, then it begins to fight. 
So it, it is a reality. It is there. That uh, peace that one experiences, you know, you go out into the wilderness, you are all alone. You feel happy. What are you happy with? You are happy being with yourself, which is reflected outside as nature. You are in harmony with nature. Real happiness comes when you are in harmony with your true self. That is the Atma. And uh, constantly various clouds come and obscure it. And you lose sight and you go for happiness in the wrong directions. All of them are fake. We easily fall for fake. All clever <laughs> fellows fall for fake and we call them clever. They are dumb suckers. <laughs> In fact, with science tending more towards quantum uh, science and towards metaphysics, I'm sure uh, there's a lot more awareness of what uh, about the unseen power or the unknown power that's uh, being accepted more and more by the scientists as Not well. Not yet. It is still a bad word to talk about consciousness and all that. They will say you're a nut. Hmm. But uh, there are people who are coming out and trying to ask the question. See, what is happening is, whether you like it or not, nature is going to lift one veil after the other. Through quantum mechanics, it raises one veil. Then through the what is called the Allen aspect experiment, it raised another veil and they have got a thing called quantum entanglement. It looks like everything is connected. Hmm. What is this connection? Could it be consciousness? No, 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 no. We don't know anything about it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> but some people are talking like that. So maybe there will be some more discoveries which will make people sit up and think what is going on. But we don't have to wait for all those things to happen. Lord Krishna said it 5,000 years ago. Hmm. And Swami has said it 5,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you include all the interviews, personal conversations in the, in the sports field, in the interview room, and what you call Thrai sessions, Purnachandra Hall sessions, just like that, walking in the veranda, if you integrate all that, definitely has said this 5,000 times. Very true. Sir. And uh, still we are groping and we don't have faith. So who is dumb? <laughs> so, I think faith is definitely a very important aspect Absolutely. of Buddhism. Absolutely. It's vital, vital. So, I think that's a very powerful point to conclude this discussion. Dear listeners, on behalf of all of you and on behalf of Saiprakash, I thank Sir for joining us. And on behalf of all of us here, we offer this program in Bhagwan's lotus feet and thank him for this opportunity to sit and reflect on his powerful, profound message this is Prem from Team Radio Sai with Sai Prakash and with us, Professor G. Venkatraman. We are thanking you for your company and Jay Sai Ram. Sai Ram, you just heard an episode of our radio series Shravanam Mananam Nididhyasanam that is, listen, reflect, and absorb. This is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. by Radio Sai's Sai Prakash and Prem, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 24th October 2013, Professor G. Venkatraman, former Vice-Chancellor of Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning and senior most member of Team Radio Sai participated as a guest. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian Culture and Spirituality, 1990. 
The clips played today are from the discourse delivered on 26th May 1990. To listen to the next part of this program, tune in same day same time next week. And also please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener@radiosai.org. Thank you and sayadaw.